Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, Penn State sports fans. Blue White Breakdown time. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders on a Thursday lunchtime. It's all about the men's hoops, Davey. It's all we got the right guy on the podcast. Dave, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks for Penn State basketball for you. Um, there's so many things we could start with. I'm just gonna do you wanna do you wanna talk about the new head coach? Do you wanna talk about the former head coach? Do you wanna talk about Penn State's AD? Where do you want to start the ball rolling? I want a nap. Can I have a nap, Bob? <laughs> you can nap soon enough. Or are we going to talk about Mike Mowdy and Jay Paterno's stat on Twitter? <laughs> I, I was trying to stay clear of that one. Trying to stay clear of that one. Which ostensibly began about basketball NIL, but you know, had nothing to do with that. It was about their the simmering animosity from a dozen years ago. Ripple in the pond wasn't like a hockey fight. doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. <laughs> you want to go? You want to go? I'll go. You want to go? Let's go. The first takeaway is the money. Did you see the money? Could you believe that? I don't know how well-versed you are in the compensation for Penn State. I guess we'll say his name, Mike Rhodes, a Pennsylvania kid, is now Penn State's men's basketball coach. And Dave, I did see, reading your story, uh, total compensation around 26 mil if everything works out. But I I couldn't believe – what I couldn't believe, Dave, is – Purdue's not paying their head coach nearly enough for the job he's doing. Bob, a dollar goes a long way in West Lafayette, as you know. Sixth on the list? Sixth? Come on. As you know, a dollar goes a long way along I, uh, what is it? I can't remember. West Lafayette? Ross 8 Stadium? You remember that? You remember that? What was that? That that Days Inn or Holiday Inn on right on the interstate we used to stay what a what what a destitute location. Yeah, so Mike, I, Mike Rhodes is getting pretty handsomely compensated. His his average yearly compensation, and of course, you always get an advantage when you're the last hired in these days of ever escalating salaries. But his average annual compensation is three point seven million, which uh, puts him currently uh, fifth. Uh, he won't get paid as much as like Greg Gard or I think I said Painter, uh, some of those guys this year. But their their deals expire uh, way before his does. So anyway, well, the point is that it puts him smack in the middle of maybe even a little higher of Big Ten compensation of coaches, which has never been true. It's never been close to have been true. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury, I believe that, that and this is interesting also. All of a sudden, they're publicizing the contract <laughs> when they're throwing out these figures, right? Which, which they never did before. They have never publicized a men's basketball coach's contract, ever. And all of a sudden, they're doing now. Maybe there's a reason. I think it's because they were embarrassed about the figures before. Remember the, remember the Don Maynard thing? 
when he's talking about uh, uh, negotiating with Weeb Eubank, who used to negotiate the figures. And, and Weeb keeps pushing figures on him and saying, what about this? And what about this? And finally, they agree on one. And Weeb tells Don Maynard, now, don't tell anybody about this. And Don says, don't worry, Weeb. I'm just as embarrassed about it as you are. <laughs> so you're saying Jerry Jerry Dunn probably didn't make any anywhere near this? Is that what you're saying? Not Micah Shrewsbury either. I mean, I believe with pretty good authority that he was making right around $2 million, which would have put him at the bottom in compensation in number 14. And before that, Pat Chambers, who was only fired uh, two and a half years ago, I believe he was making 1.2. So, and you can go back before that, Ed DeCellis, uh, Bruce Parkhill, everybody, no one was paid in the 30-year history of Penn State's Big Ten membership, market value like, like Mike Rhodes is. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I think Pat Kraft, as I said in the story, landed the plane after a bumpy ride, and it was a bumpy ride. Very I mean, bumpy early, very bumpy. Micah Shrewsbury, I'm not positive they could have done anything to keep him because he got a look at what Pennsylvania is, central Pennsylvania, which is not a basketball-loving locale. It's not. And he saw little things. Yeah, what is it like? It's fishing's number one, then hunting, and then football, and then I think it's, I think it's dive bars. That's like the top four in wrestling. Pick up wrestling, you know, just with your friends. <laughs> oh, we're going to get a lot of trouble for this podcast. Today. It's going a lot of trouble. Christo-fascist warship. That's another one. <laughs> no, no. I, I, just, I just think it's stunning that they would make that sort of commitment to a basketball coach. It is absolutely unprecedented. The other thing is that Joe Crispin is going to be on the staff, which I think is interesting. Uh, Penn State hero. Probably the most recognized player in the in the sports history at Penn State. Uh, somebody, a name that everyone knows. Uh, he graduated 22 years ago, so I think he's like 40 years old now. It's hard to believe Joe. Don't sleep on his brother. Don't forget about his brother. And he and John do a hilarious podcast together. But they they both have, and Joe especially, he's been coaching at Rowan at the Division Three level. Went a, a round deep into the NCAA Division Three tournament this year. He coaches a very up-tempo style. It's not exactly Westhead, Loyal, and Marymount basketball. It's not like a shot every four seconds. It's not intended to be that way. It's just fast. Whatever they do, they do hard, and he plays 11, 12 guys. He's going to be an offensive consultant on this staff. He will not be allowed to recruit outside of state college. It's a new position the NCAA has created just in January. Like an analyst almost, like a football analyst? Yeah, but but he's much more of an on-hands coach. So he can do everything that a usual coach can do, except he can't go off campus to recruit. That's the only thing he can't do. Uh, but but as a teacher and a philosophist, a, a philosopher about basketball, he's going to have some very strong ideas. And I assume Mike knows what he's done here because Joe Crispin will be heard. His opinions <laughs> will be heard. And uh, as a, a friend of ours used to say in in politics, they need to be pissing through the same straw. I think I, you know you know who we mean there. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is, it's going to be a tough a tough rebuild, man. They have lost. They probably have lost Evan Mahaffey, who was uh, I think their most important freshman. He's in the transfer portal. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe Mike can keep him. As far as I know, he is not committed to another program. But he's from Cincinnati. It's not like he's a local kid. Uh, they got Kanye Clary and uh, Keba Jai, the big center and the uh, point guard. I got that backwards. Jai is the big center. Uh, Clary is the point guard. All three of those guys played important minutes, rotation minutes this season. And it would be great if Mike can keep them all. I don't know if he can do it. And then, of course, Braden Shrewsbury is going to be out the door, probably in Notre Dame. Um, there was another kid uh, from Indiana who was a really good recruit. That they, that his, He's in the portal, too. So it's going to be a mess next season. There's no getting around it. Uh, you can In the portal these days, you can fix some of those things very quickly. I mean, you remember where Shrewsbury was when they hired him two years ago. This program was a grease fire. And he managed to get him to the NCAA tournament in two years. It's easier now than it used to be, but it's going to be a real tough slog for Mike next season. Yeah. for Just for the Penn State fans in general, uh, as they continue to read your stuff on Penn Live, just your thoughts, just a little bit about the past uh, of Mike Rhodes. I, I, we, I know you can start at a lot of different places. Also, I know that you, you've been talking to him. Just ask him for me at some point. Has anyone ever told him? He looks like the adult, an adult Anthony Michael Hall, uh, the the kid from the Breakfast Club. Come on, no, he he's does. Not. I swear to God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. Ask him if anyone's ever asked him that. Well, why don't we just go find a picture of Anthony Michael Hall today? Well, yeah. when you do, you're gonna know why I brought it up. That should be clickbait. Anthony Michael Hall and this guy <laughs> later in life separated at birth. I'm telling you, it's scary. Anyway. Anthony Michael Hall today. You can't believe what he looks like now. <laughs> just a little bit about Mike, and he's a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal accomplishments as a player uh, at Lebanon Valley, and then worked his way up the the, the coaching ladder, and has really had a lot of success uh, just about everywhere he's gone. Isn't that correct? You know, I, I'm not so sure. I was not at one of Mike's games the night that Mike Tyson was upset by Buster Douglas. I think he was a freshman, maybe. That was 1990, I think. Yeah, he might not have been there yet. I don't think he was there yet. But they ended up winning the national Division Three title under Pat, Pat Flannery at Lebanon Valley College, the Dutchman, uh, and uh, he was the point guard. He was the player of the year in D3. He was a terrific player, a three-time All-American at that level. So you, you would have to believe these days – Maybe he would have stepped up in Division One with the portal being the way it is. He got started at Randolph-Macon. Um, a lot of the, the key takeaway from his history is that a lot of it is around Virginia and the DMV, which is a honeypot recruiting site in, in and around the Big Ten footprint. DMV, for those uninitiated, means D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And all of that area right around Washington, D.C., but extending out. The, the definition has gotten fuzzy lately because the recruiting grounds there, the turf is so fertile for football, too, but, but really for basketball. I mean, this is if you go down into the Tidewater region, that includes Allen Iverson and all sorts of people. Uh, if he's, he's been down there, I think it's 18 years altogether between Randolph-Macon, where he was 11 years, and VCU, where he was between uh, Shaka Smart staff and his own tenure. Hell, it's probably been about 20 years in Virginia. He has been all over that state. He knows high school coaches and AAU coaches all over there. 
And it's a very important state for recruiting, especially for Penn State. Uh, Maryland has recruited that area forever because that's their backyard. But Penn State needs to do it, too. And it's, it's a good thing that Mike has that experience. That's important. Uh, real quick, just I know it's been only been a little bit, but his personality, anything you want to mention about that? Do you think it, it comes across and do you think it, it comes across on the basketball court at all? I don't know that his real personality comes across to the public because he's a great guy. I mean, I've known him for a long time and you can talk to him about a lot of different things. So the last time I was talking to him at length, uh, we were talking about music and all the different stuff that he he likes to listen to because we were talking about what I'm going to do when I retire. And I said, I'm just going to go back and start playing keyboards and really, really learn. You and he, are. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I pl- took lessons when I was a kid, but you know, you're, when you're eight and nine, you don't want to do that. You want to go out and play. I feel like this is football. kind of a scoop right now. I'm a little excited about where this might go. No, I mean, I really want to do that. I want to, we, we have a keyboard. I can't, really play it the way I want to play it. And I love music. I mentioned that to Mike and he, we went on a, off on a riff for 10 minutes, just about different bands. And he loves Pearl jam. He loves a lot of different bands that guys who are 50 uh, really like, but he's a, he's a very eclectic, interesting guy who can talk about and, and enjoy stuff outside of basketball, which as you know, with coaches, isn't always easy. They can't talk about a lot of things. He's a very interesting guy, and we've been lucky to have the, these last two. Micah Shrewsbury, just an awesome guy. Really, really loved that guy, and they have been in touch. I can tell you that, and Micah had a good talk with uh, Mike about the challenges of this program, and that entered into some of the things that he negotiated and made sure that he got before he took this job because this was no tap-in, man. This was in some doubt until I would say about Tuesday. Yeah. Dave, why don't we just go right there then? You brought it up. The challenges that go with being uh, and building a program at Penn State, you said Micah became aware of them, in a, I guess, in a fairly short period of time, and I'm sure Mike has an idea of it. But generally speaking, for the uneducated, or what would you just say, if you had to outline maybe two or three that are really, people don't realize all that goes into being the coach? One would go under a broad heading of infrastructure. And just stupid little decisions like if he, if he wants to go recruit somewhere, he he can be able to to take a flight right now because that's what you have to do a lot of times if you're a coach. Uh, that hasn't been possible. If they, if they want to practice in the in the Jordan Center, they should be able to do it. But I, I think you know the Jordan Center is managed. <laughs> I don't even know how you uh, explain that's these insane. people, but they they have no, they have nothing to do with the athletic department. And they can schedule stuff in there any any time, any way. And from one time that, that Shrewsbury played a game, it would be the next time they played a game before they were back in the Jordan Center. And they're sharing the practice facility with the women. I mean, it's crazy. And in the Jordan Center, you've got a career fair, and then you got a seminar, and then you have monster truck rallies. And then it's one thing after another that have nothing to do with basketball, which in other places, that's just easy for the for the coach. Here, everything is a challenge. And not only that, but everyone's got a little bit of an attitude. Where they go, I know, we've never done that before. What are you? You're you're facing roadblocks and hurdles at every step from people who do not value the sport. They just don't. I know for a fact 
that Micah had three occasions at the Jordan Center this last season where people stopped him because they didn't know who he was. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that anywhere else in the Big Ten? Well, you know, I, I don't. I, and he's not an indignant guy. He's not the kind of guy who would say, you do the Billy Packer and say, don't you know who I am? He, he just got out his ID and showed him and then went on his way. But I mean, can you imagine that happening at any other school in the Big Ten, especially in Indiana? Everyone knows who the basketball coach here. Can you imagine it happening to James Franklin at Beaver Stadium ever? No. Uh, that's that's all part and parcel of all this. Then you have NIL, which really is all encompassing at all times. And they really didn't get off their ass and do anything until the 11th hour. Uh, it couldn't happen. And by that time, I think Shrewsbury had already decided, I've had enough of this crap. Um, I'm going back home um, because they raised uh, half a million dollars in the last two weeks only during that run. He's thinking, you know, what happens if next year and next year is going to be a tough slog for 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 Mike uh, because they got nobody back. Shrewsbury had to do whatever he ha- had to do, which was piece together this team full of fifty-year seniors and transfers. And now almost everyone is gone. They got Kanye, Clary, Kevajai, and maybe Evan Mahaffey, Mahaffey back, and that's it. Um, it was going to be a tough slug. So where's the NIL money coming then? Do you have to have a big energetic run in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAs to, to get a fundraising thrust going? I mean, so Mike needed some ins- assurances. I believe that uh, Pat Kraft gave him his word in some cases. And then uh, I, got, I think it was probably put in writing other places. This is what we're going to do. Uh, we will see how it works out, but next year is going to be tough. It yeah. is, Dave. So if I'm if I'm reading this right, if if you wanted to set up a men's basketball program to fail, Penn State had all the bases covered up until about a couple <laughs> of months ago. Is that am I is that a, a pretty apt description of of kind of how bad it was? For- well, it's been it's been I've covered this stinking program for 34 years, and it's always been this way. It's always been this way. It's just that, that people do not really value the sport. There's a few hardcore fans who do, and they always say to me, I think you're underestimating. I, the, the fan. I like, I've been here a while. I've been here more than half my life. I think I got a handle on the fan base around here. I do, and uh, I don't think I'm underestimating anything. And that, that really all emanates from that is – that the fan base is a fair weather fan base, a bandwagon jumping fan base. And if they have a reason to get on the bandwagon, then they'll get on and go, we are, we are. But up until then, they're really not on board. And that's, that's the problem. You're going to have to create a force, a thrust independent of the fans. And that's, the, to Pat Kraft's credit, I mean, I gave him a big L on losing Shrewsbury but I think this is a W in, in getting Mike Rhodes and convincing him that the, 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 it was going to be a new age. So I'd say he's, he's one and one at this point. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA 
or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. So Dave, we're, we're talking a lot about Mike Rhodes and you just mentioned Pat Kraft, but I, I just want to circle back to Micah and what he was able to do at Penn State and also what you just said about some of the, some of the challenges that he faced that really 99.9% of, of Penn State alumni probably forget basketball fans didn't even realize. I mean, I just, I'm glad you said that because I just think that I just remember there were a lot of people that kind of felt like, well, Micah had his moment and he just, he just kind of threw Penn State under the bus to, to go back home. But it, which but is, it, which is total. I know, but I just, I'm glad that you're bringing this up because I, I want, I want the Penn State fan base to understand just all the things that he had to kind of face. A lot of people around here are more worried about the school's brand than they are the people who are actually have the hands on the steering wheel. You know, if you don't treat those people right and give them help, they're going to they're going to leave. But but these people are more worried about the image of a, a, an institution. I mean, what kind of sense does that make? I mean, question things a little bit. Question the people in charge and what's always been done a little bit. Because that really is, you could go back to Bruce Parkhill and get stories like this. You can. I've heard them all. I've heard them from Ed DeCellis, who left after an NCAA tournament run and took a 40% pay cut to go to a low major. What does that tell you? And, and nobody has been paid well. So they're, they're finally turning that around. But Shrewsbury, his gift was the gift of creativity. I mean, he, Put something together. You remember the old show Top Chef, where they give you six weird ingredients and you got to make something that's palatable. That's what he did this season. He didn't have a lot. This was what it ended up being, which was a tenth place team, and yet they were on a roll in the last month. Even after that horrific gag job to Rutgers at home, they still overcame that. They won eight out of ten, and what he was doing was really bothersome to the rest of the Big Ten because they didn't face any team like Penn State. He figured out a way to use Jalen Pickett as a maestro, as a core of the offense, a hub in the middle. It was almost like the old Princeton point forward, except Pickett was was diving deeper into the middle of the defense, sucking more guys in there, and then bing, 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 is spraying the ball all over the place with the other advantage he had, which was shooters. A lot of good shooters. He did what was necessary, and they had no post presence on either side, on either end of the court. I mean, it was really rather remarkable how they were perplexing and befuddling other teams, one after another. They swept Illinois in three games, and Illinois never came close to figuring out what they were doing or how to handle it. And that's a superior athletic team, a team that's much much more athletically gifted than Penn State, and they beat them three straight times. Indiana, another one. They, they swept them two games. How, that's the preseason pick to win the league. So that's, that's Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. These, these teams, they swept every game against those teams. The teams they had problems with were the ones who put them in a phone booth and, and packed it in, and they got lucky a few times on three-pointers. Wisconsin, and Rutgers, who played really, really good defense and, until their their Mawat Mag, their their big big uh, spidery winger, got hurt. 
So those are the teams that gave him trouble. But it was hard to give Penn State trouble. They gave other people trouble, and they really perplexed other teams. So I thought Shrewsbury did an amazing job with not much. Dave, one more thing I definitely wanted to get to with you. Your just your opinion on what what stood out to you more, or maybe it not stood out, but it seemed a little bit from the outside looking in that Pat Kraft got kind of got caught a little flat footed at one point when this started to go downhill. The, the, the snowball started to roll downhill. There was that part of it, but there was also the way that maybe he was able to pivot and recover and get somebody like uh, Mike Rhodes here. What, what what do you look at maybe? maybe what he's learned and what he was able to do and the lumps he took. How do you think he's going to come out of this? Well, I think he made a decision to invest in basketball. And he said he was going to do that. He did it. He did it a little too late because he didn't feather the bed for Shrewsbury to make it a palatable job. Uh, Maybe he couldn't have anyway. That case has been made and maybe that's true because as, as, OB used to say, at the end of the day, maybe they just don't love basketball enough for a guy from Indiana. And maybe that's true. And, and Notre Dame ended up paying uh, Shrewsbury $4.2 million over seven years. So he's got even a bigger contract than Rhodes. And maybe he never could, have, never could have done it. But with the NIL, I think he needed to be on top of that and figure out a way. You're never going to have a sugar daddy for Penn State basketball. Yeah, rest. Wrestling's got them. Football's got hockey's, them. Hockey's got them. Football's got them. But there just aren't any for basketball. Uh, even at Northwestern, they've got a guy named Ryan who will fund everything. And, and basketball, he basically rebuilt their arena, and it's beautiful now. It's, it's, it's what Penn State could use. I mean, imagine if they had a refurbished rec hall with 7,000 seats. and it they actually d- own their own arena and they could use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they own it. They just don't run it. The athletic department doesn't run it. That's that's the weird thing about it. That's why you got John Bovey, Bon Jovi in there, a hairband 12 years ago during the NCAA tournament run, and they couldn't they couldn't get in the arena. Those are the things that, that look, you got to give Pat a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. What's he been in here, eight months? How long has it been? Yeah, like the summer. I just remember he really, the summer is when he finally kind of started to assume control. So he's juggling about 12 balls all the time, and God knows what he was dealing with that w- did not come to light. Uh, but basketball is the one investment you can make where you can hope to make back more money than you ever had. Because this was just a loss leader doesn't exactly say it, but it was a sport where they knew they didn't have to put any effort into it. And this was true all the way back through Tim Curley's tenure. They just decided they could make four or $5 million profit every year, not trying. So they didn't try. Why try? It's a turnkey operation. Just roll the balls out there, make sure the balls are inflated and you've done your job. Well, not really. There's other things that can be done with the arena, too. And I, I, I'm waiting to see what they do to make the Jordan Center more intimate. Because, first of all, they got to turn off that god-awful noise that P.J. Mullen, who's no longer there. Have you, have you been to a men's basketball game? I have not. I have not. It's like going to Chuck E. Cheese, except at 120 decibels, okay? It's just intolerable. And, and that isn't just for old people. That's for anybody. And the, the philosophy is that, well, basketball doesn't matter to anyone around here, so we'll have to spice it up with other things. That isn't necessarily true. And I'll tell you what, there's probably a thousand townies who would come back to the games 
if they didn't have to listen to that. It's just garbage. It's like 20, 25-year-old ESPN jock jams. <laughs> that stuff all the time. And it, does, it's, it doesn't happen in the rest of the Big Ten. It doesn't. And that's got to be fixed. <laughs> they have to be able to get into their own arena a lot more often. That has to be fixed. There are things that can be done with the product that will make it more enjoyable for people to be there. I, I don't know if that will get done. So that, that's Pat's job, too. It's a complete overhaul. And he's just getting started. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that uh, Mike Rhodes is a sexy splash hire. He's not, okay? He just knows what he's doing. But guys like that, it takes, it, it'll take him some time to get things going here. And, and it's going to be tough for the next year or two. It just is. Even in the transport, transfer portal days, it's going to be tough on him. Uh, and I don't know if it, it's a good atmosphere to get people really charged up the way you need to. That's, that's going to be a problem. Dave, I got two things for you real quick before we get out of here on the blue-white breakdown. I, I want to get your, uh, your quick analysis of the, the Final Four in Houston. Uh, it's going to be uh, UConn and Miami in one, Florida Atlantic, and I believe those San Diego State uh, rough guys uh, in the other semi. What do you see? Have you had a chance to even watch basketball last weekend? You know, the, yeah, the coaching searches and and being out in Des Moines and being in Chicago before that, it's just all encompassing. And when you're on a beat, all you're thinking about, well, is Shrews- Shrewsbury's going to leave. I can tell he's going to leave. How do we? How do I ask him so so that he'll say kind of what he's thinking, which he did, and. Now who's going to be the coach? And is this is all encompassing in your mind? So the answer is not a lot. Uh, I did all, already pick Connecticut to make the Final Four because I believe in them. I think they have. I think you've probably watched more than I have. I think they're a very versatile team with a, a big guy in the middle who is who is very powerful and guys on the perimeter, they can beat you a lot of different ways, and I like that about them. San Diego State would be my second pick, but I don't think. They necessarily they're they're probably the most impressive athletic team of the four, and I think they win that game out there. But I don't know if they can beat Connecticut. I think that's that's the championship game. No, Miami, no Miami, Miami, Miami can score the ball, Dave. They can score the ball, but UConn can defend the ball. Yeah, and and usually in these games, the the way the it's always a dome. This will be uh, the stadium where the Texans play. Usually, you're not going to see a big scoring binge. It, it, you usually it, it hand the advantage to the defensive-minded team. Although Jim Laranega would love nothing better than to beat Connecticut uh, because he's a New York guy. He has heritage with Jim Calhoun way back, and that's still you, – you can say whatever you want about Danny Hurley, but that's still, in my mind, it's still a Calhoun program. I mean, he left such a stamp on it. And he's got legacy all over the place. I, I know Laranega would love to beat him. He beat him once, remember. He beat Connecticut to get into the Final Four with George Mason. That's right. Um, That's right. And I was there in D.C., and that was incredible. I mean, it really was really enjoyable. Now he's got serious players. So there's no doubt Miami can beat them. I would just give this slight advantage to you. Where do you where's the where's the line? Do you even know? I, I think looked. UConn's a. I think UConn opened as a five point favorite in that game. I would I would gobble up those points, wouldn't you? 
I think the difference is going to be in there someplace. Yeah. Three, two, three, four. Dave, this is, this is, now this is my last question for you on this podcast and I'm very serious about it down the road. When you start to hone your uh, skills on the keyboard uh, in, in retirement life, how good can you be? And what are some of the songs you're going to play? And it better not be any, it better not be any of that techno pop you just ripped uh, Bryce Jordan for. You know, the when we got the keyboard, I actually started noodling around and found out there there are tutorials on on YouTube. You'll you'll laugh at this, but the first thing I found that I thought I could play the chords right was Midnight Train. <laughs> She's on the midnight train. <laughs> You know, all that. And I was, I was, when Anna would go out, I didn't want to hear, hear me singing and playing. So How about I, like, I went, don't stop believing from Journey. Could you keyboard that, do you think? That's the same, that's oh. the same song. Oh, I thought you meant the Midnight Train to Georgia, like that. No, no. Should, that, that, the real, the real name of the song, I think, is Midnight Train, not Don't Stop Believing. No, that's, that's what I was playing. You gotta, yeah. you have to master that. That's gotta be the first song. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can then you could call up Mike Rose and, and keyboard him some pearl <laughs> over the phone and see how he likes that. Was that Steve Perry? Was that the, the lead Perry. singer's name? Steve Perry. Yeah, I yeah, think Neil yeah. Sean was the guitarist. I can't remember wh- anything about keyboards, but they definitely were a factor for Journey. How about some Lover Boy? That's another good one for keyboard. <laughs> Everybody's working for the weekend. Can you get that one? I could get that. They're Canadian, dude. I could get that red leather jacket the guy had on. You already have a red leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get one. How about some Paul Anka? (laughs) We're having my baby. All right. That would be very politically incorrect. Whoever is editing this, leave all this in. That's all I'm saying, because I'm going to circle back in a couple years so I can play this for Dave and we'll see how serious he was about keyboards, my man. No, I'm serious. I want to do other things. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. Great, uh, great chatting with you. We will talk next week. It might be about football, but it was a great basketball chat. Hopefully everyone listens and follow Dave's Penn State basketball stuff on Penn Live. Uh, you heard it here first from me. Enjoy the final four, everyone. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>